You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, good friends. Life is great. Welcome to another episode of the 10,000 Labs Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Radke, here with Julian Andrews. Julian, we've never doubted the Wolves this season at all. Never. Not me. Not me. Never. Nope. I mean, actually, in my life. You won't I've be able to find any any sound bites of us um, doing that. Um, yeah, unrelated. Um, our RSS feed for our podcast is actually broken, so you can't access any of can't. our old episodes. They're all broken. Um, that's not on us. Talk to the, you know, talk to the internet about that one. That's business. Um, As always, uh, we are brought to you by DraftKings. Basketball season is here. Um, It won't be here forever, though. Um, Playoffs are coming Finally, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so um, get your lineups in. Super fun. Um, Same with baseball. Uh, Lineups are fun. Daily lineups. Um, And then, obviously, like, it's it's April. The NFL draft is later this week. But, I mean, let's get revved up for NFL season. Um, Download the DraftKings app now and use the code TBPN during sign up this week. DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars. Millions. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions reply. See DraftKings.com for more details. Um, we have a special guest joining us today. I don't think he's in here now, but he's probably, he told me he's joining the waiting room soon. Uh, Jeffrey Campbell, who is a big Knicks guy. I've been on their podcast before. Um, but the news for now Wolves are winners of three of their last four. Um, Keep the good times rolling. We talked last week. Do you tank? Do you not? It seems like uh, John Krasinski reported the Wolves will not tank. Um, Chris Finch said his team is worried about um, winning now, um, which, I mean, you can't argue with that given how good they've looked, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we talked about this last time. Like, obviously, you'd like to keep that pick, but also you don't just want to have a culture of losing. Um, I don't know. There's not really much more to say. It's kind of fun to watch the Wolves win. They are along with the Brooklyn Nets, now that the Knicks have lost a game, the hottest team in the NBA. Man. So uh, take that for what you will, Wolves fans. Um, yeah, Wolves right now, they have the third worst record in the league, tied with the Magic. Um, the Pistons yeah. are a half game back. And, I mean, the, the Thunder beat the Celtics the other night, but they're only two and a half games back. So here's what it looks like if the Wolves stay in the top three worst teams in the league. They stay at 40%. If they fall to the fourth, they it goes to 36%, um, which, you know, 4%, you go whatever. Um, and then, but then if they go to fifth, they drop all the way down to 31.2%. So I'm all aboard Wolves win, um, but maybe other teams that are bad win too or something. Um, 
Wolves next, uh, you know, how they close out their schedule. They got the Warriors, the Pelicans, Grizzlies, Heat, Magic, Pistons, um, Nuggets, Celtics, Mavericks. So, I mean, the big games are really like the Magic and the Pistons um, because you're going to beat them. And and those are two teams that are kind of neck and neck with you right now. So um, we will see, um, you know, kind of what happens. But you're right. It is actually a lot of fun um, to uh, nice to see Cat and D'Lo playing better. It just it's yeah. nice to see Cap playing well after everything he's gone through this year. It's just it, there's something gratifying about watching him perform after all the criticism he's gotten, all the shit he's kind of dealt with. It's it's just nice. I agree. Um, one, I mean, I want to ask you about this. Like I wrote about this uh, this week at Zone Coverage, um, the D'Lo off the bench thing. Like if if you end up with the top three pick and you get Suggs or if you get Cunningham, like. I don't know how realistic it is. He's a max player. I mean, I don't know if Russell has the smallest ego. Um, like, is that a sustainable thing? Hope so. I mean, it seems it seems like it's working really well. I I would if he'll do it, let's do it. You know, I mean, yeah. I guess at some point you have to acquiesce to his wishes, but I don't know how much. Like, I so I don't know if his performance as a starter really gives him the like if he wasn't a max player. Like is it at this point? Like it's probably only the money that's giving him kind of that must yeah. start kind of credibility. Well, so I don't, were, but he works off the bench really well, and he can finish games. This is like a tale as old as time. Like a guy who's not living up to his contract, who goes onto the bench and plays really well, and everyone's like, "Oh, he should just stay on the bench." But then inevitably, it kind of bends back, and the guy gets unhappy. So I don't know. It's a tough situation to manage, but I, I'd, I'd like to see him keep coming off the bench for sure. You and I talked about this recently um not too long ago right like we said best case scenario for d'lo in an offense is like that lou williams on steroids like yeah yeah, yeah. like a better version of lou williams who's like a three-time six man of the year award winner so Mm -hmm. like not to shit on lou williams but um like i think most would argue that russell is like more of a well-rounded player you know offensively so um yeah maybe like not the big three we were thinking um of like one coming off the bench and all the sporadic but i mean and I, I get it too. Like you beat the Rockets and you beat the Jazz without Donovan Mitchell. Like f- fucking con- like congratulations, right? But also like those are big wins and the team like they, they actually have looked good. So yeah, um, yeah, that that's where we are. Uh, Julian, do we have a guest in the waiting room yet? We do. Well, let's let him in. Here he is, uh, Jeff Campbell. Man, how are you? Dude, uh, doing very well. Uh, Kyle and Julian, very uh, thankful for you guys having me on tonight. Excited to talk a little bit of Knicks and everybody's favorite Wolves president of basketball operations. <laughs> Dude, you're, I mean, life is good. Winners of eight and nine. Um, when we talked earlier this season, it was like, is Tibbs going to run these guys into the ground? Uh, are the Knicks going to make the playoffs? Now it's like, who cares? Uh, the ground is lower every dribble, but you guys are cruising. Listen, I uh, I sleep a lot better. The the air is sweeter. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a good time to be a Knicks fan. I'm just uh, riding it out right now. The sweetest um, sweet air of New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. First off, let let's plug your podcast quick. Um. I, I've been on it. I think twice. We have a fun Wally Zerbiak story on there. Um. Do you just want to plug that quick? For sure. Uh, very much uh, appreciate that. Hoops Addicts Anonymous, me and my guy Chip Murphy, uh, we try and have weekly episodes and just interview everybody from sports bloggers to, uh, 
you know, people in the college basketball ranks, assistant coaches. Uh, I think I'm going to have a play-by-play guy for the Grizzlies coming on in a couple weeks. Um, fortunate enough to have Coach Mosley, who was the star of that Last Chance You documentary on Netflix. Uh, just just anyone who wants to talk hoops, I'm, I'm always down. So that, that's been a great kind of endeavor for me that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, good for you, man. You guys got a good thing going. It's fun to, fun to always talk to you guys. Um, Okay, let's let's talk about uh, the Knicks a little bit. Um, obviously, that's why you're here. But Knicks are 34 and 28. They're fourth in the East. They've won nine of their last ten. Um, without getting into specifics, I think we all know like Julius Randle's played out of his mind. Um, R.J. Barrett's played well. We'll get into a little bit him of, of him later. Like quickly is like I'm, I'm seemingly like the anti Tibbs guy that is like the Tibbs guy. Um, I guess the the Tibbs effect from what you've seen and how like how it's going compared to maybe what you thought it would be. Yeah, I think um, I was a, I was, when the Knicks were in the process of hiring a new head coach, I was very much in the Tibbs camp. Uh, There was another guy I actually wanted the the team to consider as well. He's, he's never really gotten along with front offices, but Dave Yeager was a guy that, you know, from an offensive standpoint, um, I I liked the way he ran, ran things. I, I, I wasn't a huge Kenny Atkinson guy, but for a young team that needed discipline, after David Fisdale's, uh, you know, failed tenure there, I think Tibbs was really the perfect candidate. And I think as Knicks fans, we knew that good Tibbs was also going to come with bad Tibbs. So we knew that players, especially starters, were going to be playing high minutes. We weren't really sure what the offense was going to look like. And especially in the first 20 to 30 games, I was really trying to chart based on 10 game intervals, how they were going to improve. And Um, you know, from a three point attempts and makes standpoint, that was not good at all. Uh, I think only from the corner three were we relatively efficient for the majority of the year, but flash forward to where we are now, we're sitting fifth in the league in terms of three point percentage, which I never thought would be the case with a Tom Thibodeau coach team. Honestly, uh, it's going to sound really cheesy, but beyond the stats, um, he has just raised the level of expectations for everybody that's on the roster. This team comes very prepared. They play very hard. They have a very clear game plan on what they want to do. And for Knicks fans who have been starved for good, competent basketball for a while, it, I don't. It would almost be disrespectful to Tibbs to say that. Well, the bar was so low that he's just a competent coach. I, I do think there is something about him and what he expects from the players on his roster that has really kind of just risen the level of play. Um, and specifically for some of our young guys, whether it's quickly RJ, you know, Mitch before he got hurt. Um, so it's just been great to watch. Yeah. I think with Tibbs, it's always kind of the thing is like Tibbs is a good coach, but you have to have the right players with Tibbs. And clearly in Minnesota, that was not the case. And Kyle and I've talked about this a lot, but there was kind of a clash of personalities there that went way beyond what Tibbs yeah, could do I, and what Tibbs could fix. I think yeah, you're right. I think like the better, maybe a, I don't know, better, but like a good way to put that is like maybe not the right players, but the right people. Like yeah, yeah, right. Different mindset to like be yelled at by Tibbs and not like take it super personal. Well, to your point too, like two things I want to bring up there. So Leon Rose being somebody who's known Tibbs for over two decades, I think was a really important piece to have here with Tibbs because wherever Tibbs has been, 
and this is a little bit of an assumption on my part, but I imagine that his personality is so big and he's kind of um, a very demanding person. Even We even heard reports uh, from your own Weitzman that Tibbs essentially at the beginning of the year was like, give me all the vets. Like I want to trade away this guy, like maybe Mitch, like I want to bring Marcus Morris back. And like, you know, that's Tibbs. Tibbs, Tibbs will eke out whatever last win he can to get the ninth spot instead of the 10th spot, even if it means like selling out his grandma. Like that's just like him. He's going to do that. But um, having Leon Rose here, someone who Tibbs trusts and put a coaching staff around him, I think that compensates his weaknesses was super important. Johnny Bryant is a clear player personnel, uh, player development guy that worked very well with Donovan Mitchell in Utah. We have Kenny Payne, who is the big man whisperer of, of Kentucky and has worked well with some of our guys here, so much to the point that he was getting job interviews at DePaul. Um, Mike Woodson obviously left to go coach at his alma mater in Indiana. But, um, you know, we I, I think the environment around Tibbs has also been something that I think has been important to his success here as well. I have a fun story that you'll – I think you'll enjoy this. Um, so there was time – I think it was before – must have been the full, before the 2008 draft, before the Wolves took a Kogi. Julian, you might be able to help me out here. It's either that draft or, I guess, the year before that was Chris Dunn. Or, no, the, whatever. It was either one of those three drafts, either the uh, Kogi, uh, the year they took Markin in, or the year they or the, the and they traded it. Um, but anyways, Tibbs was... He drank like a million Diet Cokes a day, right? <laughs> and, and Julian, you remember this story? And he... Um, he was like, I guess, going up to the draft and you could see him around like after the season, you saw him around that summer and he clearly lost some weight. Um, so he's probably trying to get a little healthier. And, um, one of the guys that I know that worked, um, up in his area that was, he was in charge of basically like refilling his fridge and making sure everything was good. He told us that, um, yeah, Tibbs stopped drinking diet Coke. Like he used to go through like 11 or 12 a day. That's insane. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's wild. Two days before the draft, the guy goes to me, he goes, uh, Tibbs relapsed last night. And I go, what happened? He goes, there was just a case of diet Coke next to the fridge warm. And there was like 12 or 13 diet Cokes gone. <laughs> oh my God. Warm. Not even refrigerated. Just, like he didn't have any time to cool him up. He just needed to pop through them. Pre pre-draft Tibbs was leaving no Diet Coke behind. Like he was he was literally in the in whatever his office just going over tape, probably, I'm sure. Yeah. Kyle, I feel like you always kind of had to uh, interview Tibbs around draft, like right after draft. And I felt like that was always kind of a nerve-wracking experience for oh. you. It was because like, you know, for example, today it's uh April 28th, it's Ryan Saunders' birthday. I texted Ryan Saunders and has it happy birthday. He said, thanks buddy. Okay. If I would have texted Tibbs, he would have either <laughs> like, he either would have asked who it was or I wouldn't have gotten a response. Like basically, I guess when it comes to relationships that aren't necessary for Tibbs, he does not care about them. Um, <laughs> right. So like if it's not, <laughs> if it's not helping him in that moment, and it's not to say that he's mean, he's never been mean to me. Right. Or no, like yeah. any, anybody that we worked with. Basically, though, it's like if you're not there to help him succeed or win a game or whatever, then it's like he has zero time for you. Um, and like maybe that's how it should be. The more and more I look back at the Tibbs regime in Minnesota and like the Jimmy Butler, like I'll say that it was hard. It was a hard year because there was just like so much drama. 
Um, but also like now I'm wondering, I'm like, how much of that drama was caused, like not caused by Tibbs? Like how much was I caused agree. by like media and caused by immaturity on the roster and guys that couldn't handle him? Like, I mean, then again, in Chicago, it happened too. So I don't, I guess I don't know where I lean on it, but it just seems like after watching him in New York, I'm like, maybe we just weren't ready for Tibbs. I think, um, and, and uh, I, I think the one thing I would, and Knicks fans probably wouldn't want to hear me say this, but, and I know we, Kyle, you and I, and, and Chip, we talked about this on the last pod. Like, I do think that Tibbs is great at raising the ceiling, right? And, and the standard for players that first year, right, is so important. And he's such a breath of fresh air, probably from whatever losing coach was there before. Um, but I am, I am interested to see how year two plays out because I, and I, I also think the thing that, that, that helps Tibbs is also, you know, you talked about the players that are on the roster right now, the best player on our roster is Julius Randall and Julius Randall has bought into everything that is Tom Thibodeau. You know, Julius Randall is, is he's not going to say a bad word about him. He loves the way that he works. He loves his approach. So when that starts at the top and it goes down and you have RJ Barrett, who's following suit as our 20 year old kind of like budding star right now, like you said, we have the players on the roster and the people that are Tibbs like and are kind of cut from, um, from his cloth. So I am interested to see year two, whether we get a dominant wing scorer on this team or whatever other people from the draft, if, if that remains to be the same, or if the if the Tibbs affect just this kind of unrelenting push for just excellence all the time, if that does start to wear, and if the results aren't there, you know, how does he kind of hold back? One last thing that I would say about that is that Derek Rose, who's known him forever, has said that he's noticed a difference in Tibbs. And he said that he's letting guys play more free. Um I don't, it's funny. I don't know how true that is because whenever a point guard does bring the ball up, he is absolutely yelling out something that seems to me like a set. Um, but, you know, it, at least from his point of view, it sounds like he's letting the players play a little bit more free, less structured. And he says he's smiling more, you know, whatever that means. So um, I just, I just hope it continues. He better still be yelling ice on yeah, defense. Oh, on ice. Otherwise, ice, otherwise, ice. I, otherwise, I'd start getting worried. Um, screen, screen or ice is, is the <laughs> But, yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. I think it's a really good point. And I think with Tibbs, I mean, also the question is, and you hate to talk about this almost, but it's like he really does push guys in terms of minutes. And what happens when there's an injury? You know, what happens when some guy feels that he – got hurt because Tibbs played him too much, whether or not that's the case, I feel like that can kind of cause some resentment too, but certainly not wishing for that. It's been fun. The Knicks have been really fun to watch and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a really cool story. You don't really see this kind of come up story from a guy like Julius Randall all that often. Yeah. I, I mean like honestly on the injury front too, and I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to get very uh, pie in the sky like with this, but I'm telling you, I'm, it's only because I'm reading the responses from the players in the post game press conferences. Like if you listen to RJ Barrett, like they asked him the other day, right? They, they said that, um, you know, getting the fourth seed or the fifth seed or winning a playoff series, how much would that mean? Or like what, you know, and he was essentially like, you know, um, 
like, what do you mean, like, just a playoff series? Like, I forget his exact quote, but it was something like, we work very hard for everything we've got, and we want everything. That's And I just feel like when it comes to minutes in a game and injuries, I honestly feel like Tibbs has kind of, like, passed on this mindset to the team that, like, you know – it just if you continue to work maniacally, like good things will happen. And yes, I'm going to play you big minutes, but that's because that that's our best chance of winning. And I almost feel like he has every player buying into that, where it really does feel like they play for one another, you know. And and there's there's really not does not seem like a lot of me guys on the team and and worrying about my brand or my minutes or anything like that. And that's a little bit like. Again, like I said, pie in the sky to say from my standpoint, because these guys all have agents and they all have things to worry about um, in terms of their future. But it just when you watch, it's just this team is so different from from any Knicks team that I've watched, even like they get a lot of comparisons to the 2012, 2013 mellow team. And even this team, that team was offensively a lot more appeasing and, and um, easier to watch. And, and they had mellow who could really score J.R. Smith. But this team has a different um, makeup about them. There's more of a they, they they enforce their will on you defensively, and they just tire you out to the point where they they want you to give in. They want you to just kind of feel like, ah, shit, we can't get in the lane, or oh, we can't get the threes that we want, or these guys close out really well, or they're just physical. So um, yeah, man. It's, it's I mean, great. that's that's great to hear, and I, I agree with you. I mean, I think. I think it's kind of also a misconception that guys in the NBA and Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it's a misconception that guys in the league worry too much about their minutes in terms of like playing too much. Like I think every NBA player wants to play every minute. Yeah. I think, I mean, I I think like more than anything in New York, but you're right, Julian. Like, I don't, I think we overblow that more than um, anybody. Like Like there are probably a couple of guys yeah, like and, at the very top, who are later in their careers, like LeBron would probably be mad if he was playing forty-five minutes a game. But he's yeah. like, you know, that's obviously a very unique situation. Well, if you look at New York's roster, like it's almost like the perfect Tibbs team because you have Julius Randle, who, like, I mean, he's only twenty-six, which is crazy. It seems like he's been yeah. in the league for twenty-five years. But yeah. it's like, was you know, rough start with the Lakers, but then again, like it seemed like everybody on those Lakers teams might have been doomed. Um, Goes at the Pelicans, like he puts up good numbers, but they don't win. Uh, you have somebody like Mitchell Robinson falls in the draft, quickly falls in the draft. RJ Barrett, who like was a top pick, but also like no, he's never going to be in that same conversation or he hasn't been yet with like Zion and John Morant. So it's almost like this perfect mixture of guys that are like basically, you know, saying like, F you, we, you know, talk about us more or, you know, or don't, and we'll show you what we can do. Um, I want to talk to you about RJ Barrett because. He's a guy that um, just like reading all the draft articles and about him um, going into last year. And there was reasons why people loved him and people hated him and whatever. But like the more and more I read about him and kind of his relationship with his dad and his journey throughout high school and college, like this guy has always gotten better. He hates losing. Like he's never really lost much in his whole entire life. Um, I guess like I, I, I don't know. Like, it seemed like there needs to be more hype around him, especially when you look at his numbers. And I think the thing is like, well, he's a streaky guard that, or streaky wing that, that can't shoot. And it's like, well, he's shooting, you know, um, 39% from the three point line. He's averaging 18 points. And especially lately, it seems like he's gotten the attention that he deserves. Um, 
where are you at on on the RJ Barrett ceiling? Man, I, I love RJ. I think it's it was so hard to judge. I I liked the pick when we when we picked him just because I felt like he was a young guy that had great basketball pedigree. His dad played pro. I felt like I felt like there was a very high floor with RJ Barrett. I felt like even if the shooting didn't come around, he was going to be successful in in some way. And and even in his first season, which was not good, I, the the one thing that impressed me about him the most and our defense was horrible all year but the one thing that that people always said coming out of the draft is ah RJ's defense it's really not good and I felt that his defense was actually pretty solid I remember you know seeing him recover after getting beat off the dribble or you know really covering um, some pick and roll coverages very well or closing out in certain ways that I was kind of surprised always having his hands in the passing lane so I felt like he had very good fundamentals. And then when Tibbs came, I felt like that was there even more. He doesn't have great lateral foot speed. I think the reason he's never going to be mentioned in, in the sense of Zion and, and Ja is because not only are Zion and Ja uh, very skilled, but they're, 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 um, their athletic talents really jump off the page, right? Ja Moran is not only fast, but he's, he's a great quick twitch. He has a burst. And he can really um, excel in the air. And Zion is a .109, whatever, athlete that we've ever seen in our lives. But RJ is, you know, he's kind of got this like Kyle Anderson, Shlomo, uh, Euro step to him. You know, he's a very skilled person and he gets to the rim before you know it. But again, his game doesn't, it's not pretty. It doesn't jump out at you. But he is clearly put in the time. Um, a, a really quick story about RJ too. I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was an article that came out from some writer and I, I believe he was uh, Canada based. And he essentially said that, you know, RJ has been working with this shot doctor, Drew Hanlon for a long time. And then when he came to the Knicks, David Fisdale in, in his infinite wisdom decided to just basically uh, tell him to, you know, quit, you know, the, the, your shot, Motion, whatever you're doing with Drew Hanlon that you've been working on for how many years, whatever, pre-draft, cut that out. You know, we want our guy working with you. And so he really struggled with that. And that essentially messed up his entire rookie season. Now he's working back with Drew Hanlon. And, of course, the team is like um, – Tibbs and his team is like, yeah, I mean, like whatever is working for you, just keep doing that. You know, it sounds pretty simple. But um, so he's he's been excelling at free throws, spot-up threes, and uh, – RJ, my ceiling for RJ is I don't think he'll ever be the best player in a championship team. And um, I have some doubts about being player number two. The thing that the thing that makes me happy is that he's still so young. And uh, I just think he's a great team guy. I think he will always do things that lead to wins. I think he will always make winning plays. And I think he will continue to get better. I would love for him to be Jimmy Butler. That would be like my ultimate comp like oh my god if you if he was that it would be amazing but even if he's a step off that and he makes maybe like one or two all-star teams in his career maybe three like i'm fine with it yeah that's that's awesome no i mean you're, you're right i think because i think when everybody says obviously at this point and, and like we talk a lot about basketball cards um on this podcast um but like when people are at their players are at their high it's always at during their rookie years or, or you know set second season and we all want to have this ceiling that's so high. But then you look in Minnesota, right? And you're like, what's the ceiling for Carl Anthony Towns? And like, 
Carl Anthony Towns is never going to be the best player on a winning on, on a championship team. And he's a great player. Um, will, can he be the second best? Like, I don't know. So like we, we have such lofty goals for these players, um, that sometimes it's like, well, yeah, if he's the third best player on a championship team, like that's pretty good because guess what? It's a championship team. Um, you know, and I like G the, the Jimmy Butler heat situation last year was a little funky, yeah. um, given everything, but yeah. Um, Without further ado, Jeff, I'm going to introduce you to our, you're the first guest to ever partake in, um, we call it Kyle's Card Corner. Um, uh, people are, I mean, people are trying to get that name from us and um, we're not letting go. Don't, um, let him. Don't let them at all. Listen. Don't let them. No. Yeah, it's too creative. We, we can't. Um, okay. So RJ Barrett, he's, he's a player that I've been watching his values a lot lately. So Prism, which is his, uh, which is basically like the, the best rookie card you can get. Um, just his base card, not the silver. So if this card is a PSA 10, it's amazing to me, Julian and, and Jeff, how affordable this card is. It is for a PSA 10. This card, uh, was at its lowest on April 19th. It shot up all the way to $176, um, about four days after that, but it is, you can get it now for about 150, um, which is We'll, we'll, we'll put this into comparison in a little bit here. Um, and then his PSA nine is going for about $48. So, um, you know, you can get both cards for $200. Um, let's just look up what Zion Williamson, right. maybe yeah, PSA 10. Um, Prism. Wait, real quick. What's the difference between the PSA nine and the, and, uh, and the rookie card for the PS. So they're both rookies. Um, okay. The difference between the PSA nine and a PSA ten is just um, maybe like a slight, uh, maybe it's off centering. It's just a slight defect in the card. Oh, okay, okay. So um, you know, it's 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 you know pretty uh, like th there's really not much of a difference if I'm being completely honest. Um, so a PSA ten of Zion Williamson is going for six hundred thirty dollars. That's um, that's with the defect. That's the that's the best one. PSA oh, no, ten. So PSA nine is the one with the defect. Yep. Um, okay. P PSA ten is the best you can do. So basically, RJ Barrett's PSA ten is going for one hundred fifty. Zion's is going for what more than four times that. Um, wow. So I'm just like, if if you're trying to, I'm not going to tell anybody where to spend their money. I also think six hundred thirty dollars for the Zion PSA ten is actually pretty affordable too. Um, you know, given whatever you want to do with your money. But if you're looking for a player to buy and you're saying you want to, you want a PSA 10 and, and you have $300 to spend, well, you can get two of RJ Barrett's. Um, and I just think that's a good investment overall. So um, I had a few last year and I sold them raw and I terribly regret that now. So, um, but yeah, man, uh, if, if the Knicks make the playoffs right, or if the playoffs started right now, who, who would the Knicks play? I think uh, the Hawks. Give me about two oh. things really quick. I'm just going to uh, just open up my my NBA app. That's Please. glorious if that's true. Yeah, it, so they would they would play the Hawks, and they would be home in that series. I, I would love that matchup yeah. um, just because I, I, I just think – I don't know. I, I like it. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say we would definitely win, but I, I know Trey Young is an amazing talent, and they have some great – offensive depth talent there and, and Clint Capella has been playing well for them. But I just think in a, in a long drawn out series with a, with a home uh, court advantage at some point, um, I, I like our chances. I, I, I hate the Hawks. So I would love to see them play the Hawks. Julian, Julian hates the Hawks. I kind of irrationally hate the Hawks. But, but dude, Clint like Capella, 
every time I watch basketball, like, um, which is every night, but like I'll put on league pass. It's like Clint Capella, 25 points, 65 rebounds. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. Like, he's, yeah. But, he's um, them. man, we wish, uh, I think we're Knicks fans here, uh, just cause, um, you know, we, we like tips and we, we want to win. Um, so we're just like joining you. Um, We'll have you on again soon. Maybe, maybe like mid midway through like the first round of the playoffs. Um, Cause I actually want to go into a deeper dive too. And just like LeBron said it the other day. Um, so my words don't carry as much weight as his obviously, but obviously the NBA is a much better place when um, the New York Knicks have a winning basketball team. And I think we've seen, we've seen that over the last two weeks. Like it's literally all anybody talks about is the Knicks, um, which is fun. So um, best of luck. I know you guys are, um, super pumped about what you're seeing and, and you're diehard. So, um, yeah, we appreciate it, man. hundred percent. Listen, uh, great to talk with you guys. Of course, you guys have an open invitation. Julian too. I know we, we've only. <laughs> Thanks far, Jeff. We would love to have you on HAA as well. And I, of course, I'll welcome, welcome any chance to talk ball with you guys. Of course. Appreciate it. All right. Later, man. Um, to all our listeners, we will talk to you next time.